Well, again, if you are a visitor, uh, we want to we want to welcome you. And and um, and so what I want to do this morning is is recap a little bit the last uh, couple of weeks so that we can have a, a good baseline of this morning, but also be aware of what's happening this week. I mean, this week uh, we remember and we honor um, the birth of Jesus. And it's more than just that. It's it's honoring the reality that we get to choose to live in that he gives us. And so uh, the last couple years, uh, many of you know this, we've been going through the book of Romans. And the reason why we've been going through the letter in Romans is so that we can learn how to sit in the tension of the culture around us that wasn't that isn't too dissimilar to that of ancient Rome and how to do that with Jesus. Jesus does something when we look in the Gospels. He sits in the tension of the culture around him and turns it upside down, does he not? He does some crazy stuff. He does some stuff that we still scratch our heads and try to explain away. Or it's just a story from 2,000 years ago, but it's very real and has very real implications. And he's constantly, those of us that say yes to him, conforming us into his image, which means we have to learn to live and sit and hold that tension with Jesus. Everything he did was off the radar for even the most well-versed religious people of that time. He just does some stuff you can't explain. And so we've been going through this book pretty meticulously from tension to tension. It hasn't been about just doing uh, an expositional teaching, going through every word and this and that, but identifying the tensions that are similar to the tensions we face today. How many... How many experience those tensions, right? The sinful nature coming against what you want and Jesus. You feel that tension, and then you, you have people that, represent, that say they represent Jesus that don't do a very good job, and it messes with that picture sometimes and creates an even greater tension. And so now we find ourselves after two years, it's like two years, I think, now, in chapter 8. In chapter 8 of Romans is, is uh, very famous for being on our bumpers, okay? So we get great Christian bumper sticker sayings from chapter 8. And we've talked a lot about chapter 8 this far and some of those big pieces. And so I just want to lay out a little bit the last couple of weeks so that we have a good baseline for this morning. Mark, a couple of weeks ago, preached an amazing message uh, on verses 28 through 29 that God works out all things, for the good of those who love him according to his will and purpose. How many have heard that passage? Okay. And what he did was take that down to a place where you cannot make it a, uh, a passage that is self-indulgent. Sometimes we think, well, if I love Jesus, he'll give me this. He works out all good things. He works out all things for the good. Or those who love him. Well, if I just love him, then it'll give me good stuff. No, that passage is about conforming us to the image of his son. There's nothing greater than that. Amen? There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing this world can offer that would fit under what we would call good things that are good. Scripture says God alone is good. So Mark did a great job at laying that out. Then we had last week where we hit this passage that we'll, we will read through in just a minute where you hear words like foreknowledge, predestination, called, justified. 
This passage is extremely important to understand in its context because if we have an unhealthy understanding of this passage, what it can do is change your decision-making paradigm. Oftentimes, that passage is taken when you hear predestined and foreknowledge, it kind of skirts aside this we have free will and there's this predetermined decision-making we think God does for us. Hey, I would love for him to make all my decisions for me. I could get, I mean, that would be the greatest excuse ever, wouldn't it? Well, everything's predetermined, so I'm just, I'm just a jerk, because that's how I, you know. That's how he made me. It was predestined. No, that's not what it means. And foreknowledge, it makes it hard to fathom free will because you think free will means he doesn't know what he's going to choose, what you're going to choose. And if he knows what I'm going to choose, then how is that free will? I don't know. He just does it. He's God. He's uncreated. He can do whatever he wants. If you can answer to me how he's uncreated, then we can have a, a, a conversation about it. But we can't. Can you imagine someone being uncreated? Yes or no? Can you explain it? No, you can't. So the ways of an uncreated God are going to be really hard to explain. We have to learn to accept because we trust him. I don't know how foreknowledge and free will exist. He can just do it. So I accept that. Now, predestination is not predetermined decisions. It is a, what it means in the Greek is a pre-established set of boundaries. A way, in other words. Jesus says what? I am the way. He is the predetermined, pre-established boundary of how we get to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is what that passage means. A predestined way to, for us to choose and become like him and be with him always. How many of you have kids? Okay. And how many know your kids really well and you kind of know what they're going to do? And now, I, I, okay, I'm going to get in trouble here maybe. Now, when you're in your, uh, your spouse is here, I find that usually there's one spouse that absolutely knows what the kid's going to do, and there's one that tries to have hope and is proven wrong every time. <laughs> do we have that dynamic? That's me. I'm going, Shanna's like, no, Gracie's going to do this. And I'm like, no, sweetie, it was because of this, this, and that. There's hope. There's hope. And nope, she does the same thing. Because we know our kids, but every once in a while they will surprise us, will they not? Now, we're God's kids. Guess what? Because he has foreknowledge, we never surprise him. He knows everything we're going to do because he knows us. It's not predetermined decision-making. It's because he knows us. So we feel this tension. But remember, everything in Scripture, everything is relationally driven to keep us in intimacy with Jesus. So that we can be with the Father always. It's not to complicate you. It's not to have more hoops for you to jump in. It's for you to be with him always. And he created a predetermined way. He made a predetermined way through his son, Jesus. And that's what we celebrate. That predetermined way to be with him always. Now, this morning, we're going to hit, we're going to hit a few verses that I've seen on bumper stickers, things that um, give us hope, but we want to talk a little bit about it and really what their meaning is based on what we see in the scriptures. Now, I'm going to read. If you have your Bibles, please take them out. 
and turn to chapter 8 in Romans. And we're going to start at verse 28 to go through some of the the verses we did uh, the last couple of weeks leading into verses 31 through 32 this morning. And I will skip around a little bit um, towards the end of chapter 8. Starting at verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, which means to invite. Those he called, he also justified to be made right. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now, here we go, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all this? Now, you finish this for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who's seen that on a bumper sticker? Who has given that to someone as an encouragement? Right? This is a passage we look at and we go, Whoo, this is good stuff. If he's for me, who can be against me? I will smite thee because I am with Jesus. Right? He who did not spare, listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now let me read verse 31 and 32 again. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now let's talk about this in its proper context, because when we hear graciously give us all things, that's like, whoa, kid in the candy store, I want all of this. Giving me all good things. According to whom? We, we approach it as according to me. Give me all things. All things what? That I want. All things that I think I need. That will give me comfort. That will give me joy. But when we look in verse 31, let's look at some of the language here. First, Paul is calling a response. How do we respond to what we just heard prior? How do we posture ourselves? Because remember, verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul sets it this way. I, Paul, a slave to Christ, which means this, that the first step in Christ is to surrender. The word slave in Greek means to choose to have no choice. Paul has laid down everything he feels entitled to, including his comfort. How many love being uncomfortable? (laughs) Nobody. Well, walking with Jesus is going to be uncomfortable, but good. And Paul is saying that the first step, saying yes to Jesus, is surrender. And so as we get to this point, what should our response be to all of this? Because if God is for us, who can be against us? When we hear God is for us, that means he has postured himself with us for the betterment of who we are. That's what it means in the Greek, the betterment. Sometimes we think for us, he's our cheerleader, and he wants us to win everything. Well, I've lost a lot, and I feel it's God's will. Well, wait a minute. What about the the, the people who say, if God's for me, then he's against them. But he loves them too. What does this mean? Remember, 
if everything in Scripture is God breathed from a loving God who is love and all he wants is you, then this must lead us to the conclusion that this is meant and was said to bring us in closer intimacy with him. So if God is for us, it's for the betterment to conform us into his image. That's what it's for. If he's for us, he wants you to become more like him, which means you got to be with me. Because Jesus says this, abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can what? Do nothing. You can't do anything. You can't experience good things. You can't experience life without him. So if he's for us, what this means is that he is with us. We've said this. He is with us. How many times does he say that in scripture? (laughs) Fear not. Take courage for I am what? With you. Why is that? Because without him, we can't do anything. And he doesn't want to ever be without us. Ever. And then we have, if he's with us, if he's for us, then who can be against us? Not that this isn't, this isn't someone that just doesn't like us. It's not, you know, who can be, you know, against us. You know, you're leaning against a wall or someone else. And what this, what this means against means to press down. To keep down. Now, I wrestled in high school, and one of the things that my coach had us do, I was like 90 pounds, and he would have us go through and wrestle each person in each weight class, including our 300-pound heavyweight. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I am shaking in my boots because I'm supposed to, what? I'm supposed to, he's 300 pounds, he's 200 pounds heavier than me. And man, did he throw me down, laid on top of me, and I was done. I couldn't move. I mean, I was pinned to the ground. He had pushed me down. It was oppressive. (laughs) It was all smothering. Isn't that not how it can feel when the world comes at us? It what? It pushes us down. It smothers us. But when we're with him and we know that he's with us, that situation has a different perception to us because we understand now the reality of the love of God. We understand that a a loving God always wants to be with the one he loves. Sometimes we have this picture that he's over here and he's just wanting us to be obedient over here. Obedience starts with being with him. That's where it starts. And that's where it ends. It's to be with him always. So that's what he wants for us. So if he's with us, then what can be against us? And then he did not spare his own son. Let's think about this for a second. He loves you and he loves me so much that he did not spare the one he loves the most. And if that is true, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Now, all things... It's not about making you happy with possession or even pleasant circumstances. It has to do, it's tied with salvation and it's tied with being in his presence for eternity. Because having all things is having Jesus. Because he's greater than all things that you or I could think of. Because sometimes we read this about our comfort. If I believe in Jesus, I will get this. A transaction that isn't about relationship as much as it's about bringing me comfort. Well, let me tell you this, and I'm sorry to disappoint you, but your, God's number one priority is not your comfort. It's your heart. 
It is not your comfort. Since I've been walking with Jesus consciously, at least, and intentionally, my life has been very uncomfortable, but very good. Very uncomfortable. Watching Jesus move at the 11th hour, according to my clock, and I'll tell you what, getting to that 11th hour, is that a picnic? No, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. But there's a reason why we go through some of these things. We need to stay with him. He doesn't say, if you believe in me, all your circumstances will be fantastic. He's not a genie in the bottle. He sees the big picture as well as the small picture. He sees that you are to be and meant to be with him always, always. But he also has enough presence with you that when you grieve, and he knows it's going to be okay, he grieves with you. We see that in the Lazarus story. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus, but he saw that his sisters were in anguish and he wept with them. That's a good God that cares about every emotion you have and every feeling you have. If he's with you, who can, who can pin you down? Nobody. And then we see later in the chapter, and this is the big one we know, not the powers of hell, not any circumstance, not any betrayal, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. Not a thing. There is nothing this world can do that can separate you from the love of God. The love of God will keep flowing in your direction. You're smothered in it. You're covered in it. Now receiving it is a different story. In Jude chapter 1, he says, stay in the love of God. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If nothing can separate me from the love of God, then why do I have a command to stay in the love of God? But what that means is to continue to receive the love of God to exercise it, to swim in it. Because what can happen is the circumstances of this world when we don't stay with Jesus will tell us who we are instead of him, allowing him to tell us who we are. And then we go, okay, Lord, my, my decisions, my poor decisions, your blood can't cover that. Ooh. Oh, yes, it can. It absolutely can. And that's what we celebrate. There's this great buzz around this time. And we come to our services. Churches put on, a, they, man, they do like 50 services in three days. And, you know, put, we are not doing that, by the way. And, they, and that's fine. And they, we, we put on these big shows and we, we try to get people to Christ and this and that. And that's great. We want people to, to come to Christ, but we want people to live in Christ, to know him. To know that, that these passages are true, that when you are with him, nothing can keep you down. Paul was in prison, and, and, and the, the guards came to Christ because they saw that even in anguish and terrible circumstances, Paul was, had a fullness of joy because of who Jesus is. Not even jail and hardship could separate him from the love of God. Not a thing and yet we make it complicated. We make it really complicated. I heard a great uh, saying, and it was like one of those duh moments. You know this, but then someone says it just a little differently than you, and you go, well, and boom. It just kind of, I mean, parents, doesn't that get irritating when you tell your kids something over and over, and someone else comes in who hasn't invested a thing in them and says the same thing, and it's like, light bulb. It was one of those moments. And this guy said, walking with Jesus is simple but hard, and yet we make it complicated and easy. 
Now, I always stopped at we make it complicated. But we make it complicated in comparison to the simple design that he created for us, that predestined way. We celebrate it right here. No one expected Jesus to come into the world the way he did. And no one expected him to leave the way he did. And then no one expected him to send his spirit the way he did. Nobody. Absolutely no one expected what we have. Do you hear that? He's doing something in a way in which we can't put into words and he's calling us to walk with him in that. And we make it really complicated because we don't like feeling uncomfortable. This doesn't feel right. I need this. I need that. And I'll put Jesus' name on it. You're like forging a letter from Jesus when you do that. When we begin to make him in our image so that we can feel more comfortable with what's going on and what he's doing, we, we oftentimes take it. I've, take, I've made Jesus my image so many times so I can feel better about feeling awful. A gift of grace? You want me to receive that and stay in the love of that? How about I just complicate it and make it a lot easier for myself? Because receiving the love of God and living in that is a little more challenging. <laughs> so we make him into our own image. But he makes it simple. He is not, even in the scriptures, I hear a, a lot, and I used to feel this way, they're so confusing. The words, well, part of that is because our first English version of that was the King James, and that's old English. I, I can't understand that. But even with other translations, it can be hard to fathom and understand. But he, again, he makes it simple. He makes it clear throughout everything. I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. Here's my son, and this is one of the most painful things ever that I'm going to do. I, my son is going to experience separation from me for the first time in eternity so that you never have to. I've even showed you in my son, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. What else do we need to know? Be with me, I'll be with you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things because I strengthen you. Is that complicated? It's hard. How many, how many are uh, done shopping? Okay, so like this half and a few here. This half, I'm, my heart's with you. And how many wait to the last minute? Anybody wait to the last minute? I, I kind of do. And there, there's a price to pay for that, no pun intended. But it's crazy because you think, oh, if I wait to the last minute, no one else will do that and it'll be clear as can be. Well, everyone has that same thought, it feels like. And then, and then it's, it's bad enough. It's bad enough that you decide to wait. Now you're going to bring your kids, your little kids. So I bring my little kids and uh, six, six, four, and 10 months. Okay. And I'm going to go into hostile territory a few days before Christmas. And it's crazy. Parking lot's crazy. And just to get from the parking lot to the store in which you want to shop, which will have its own craziness, you got to survive the walk from the parking lot to the store. And what do you say to your kids? What's the first thing you say when they get out of the car? Hold my hand. Why? Stay with me. Stay with me. Is that complicated? 
No, 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 no. Stay with me. You glue yourself to my hips. You hold my hands. You hold the other's hand. And you stay with me. Because we are going into hostile territory here. And I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to get hurt. Stay with me. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. And then you can't even get 10 feet because I see a penny on the ground. Oh, wait, daddy. No, no. Stay with me. Right here. Remember, we had the whole hip talk. Stay right here. Then, by some miracle, you get into the store. Oh, whole other ball game. Whole other ball game. Amen? Because you've got the lobby buzz, and then you've got the aisle buzz, and then you've got from the aisle to the cashier, and then you've got the 45-minute wait with the cashier, even in self-checkout. But you're with your kids, And guess what? You're like, stay with me, stay with me. And they see the toy aisle, and they are no longer with you. Boom. Daddy, wait, I got to go. And they go. And you're like, no, I said stay with me. And they're like, Dad, I couldn't find you. You think? I said stay with me. You ditched me for Paw Patrol. You got to be kidding me. Dad, I want this. No, it's Christmas time. We know you'll get stuff later. Dad, I want this. I said, did you eat this morning? Yes. Shut your mouth. I'm feeding you. You have a place to sleep. Now, I didn't say that to him. <laughs> but we felt that. Look at how, how hard just the simplest of instruction can be. We think we're adults. You're not. You're the very children of God. And we make decisions that are dumb. And we shouldn't make. And all he says is stay with me. No, but Jesus, I want that toy. Or I want this or I got hurt, or I don't have, I, 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 stay with me. He made it clear. He sent his son in a way that would take notice. If he came as a regular powerful king, he would get lost with the other powerful kings, but he king came in the most disgusting atmosphere where the animals sleep, go to the bathroom, live. And it wasn't this nice little hut. It was probably in a little cave nooked into the rocks near this inn. And if you want to look at his beginnings, the way he had to live and the circumstances didn't change. He was betrayed by his closest. He was mocked. He begged the father in the garden to let the cup pass him by. But he said... Not what I want, but what you want. And then he died in the most horrific way. And then he experienced separation from God where he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? None of you ever have to say that. You have been given a choice because you've been given a predestined way. There is nothing, there is no excuse, there is no obstacle that can separate us from the love of God. All you have to do is stay in it, and you stay in it by saying yes. And then he says, guess what? You won't do it by yourself either. I'm going to give you people who are after my heart, and I'm going to call you my church. And you are going to show the world the love of God, because I will lead you. I will be with you. I will grieve with you. I will experience joy with you. I will celebrate with you. I will hurt with you. I will do all these things because I love you and I've made it simple. His love won't ever stop. Your bad decisions that you might be thinking about right now that are affecting you, that are wounding you, your hurts, 
whatever it may be, cannot disqualify you from the love of God while you're still breathing. It cannot. He will always go after you. Is that not enough proof? I would never, never sacrifice one of my kids for even you. And that's what our Father did for us. I can't fathom that. I can't even say the words. And then I immediately feel ashamed, but then I don't. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. If he's for us, there is nothing that can keep us down. Do we feel the effects of the world? Do we hurt when we experience loss? Yes, we do. But guess what? When we feel lost, he goes after you. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. And oftentimes we're that one. There's no place you can hide that his love is not there. He's assured us of that. He hasn't asked you to do an obstacle, a spiritual obstacle course. He just said, stay with me. Come to me. Repent, meaning change direction. Turn toward me and stay with me. Simple, but hard. Let us remember that this season, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's simple. And he has, guess what? And he has, he has a remedy for the heart. It's called his Holy Spirit in his church. We're going to be with you. I'm going to be with you always. And I'm going to put people around you to walk with you. Let them. Because part of staying in the love of God is letting others love you. Because he's pouring himself out through them to you. He doesn't leave us to ourselves just to figure all this out on our own. He keeps it simple, and then he gives you everything you need in which to do that.
Is with. 